Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. guys, welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I am so happy to have you here with me today. On today's show, I have Ryan and Mariah. I have to tell you, they drove an hour and a half to meet with me. An hour and a half in the pouring rain. They are troopers through life. Their story is absolutely beautiful. I just know that it is going to resonate with so many people who have been through their own fertility journey and um, have been through adoption and their ability to share authentically and vulnerably is absolutely beautiful. I tell you, I'm actually getting a little bit choked up just thinking about it. You can tell the love that they have between each other and the love that they will have for their future child. I am so excited and so absolutely honored that they gave me the opportunity to sit down with them and talk with them about their journey. It truly is such a sacred journey that they're on and the fact that they allowed us to come alongside them and support them through this is absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much for being on the show. Ryan and Mariah, I know that people are going to love your message. Thank you so much, Ryan and Mariah, for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm so excited, too, that you are you guys are the first people in this podcast studio, we'll call it. More so my <laughs> office, though, so it's nice to have you guys here. And you guys had to go through the rain. Yes. Yeah. Intense rain, so you're yeah. troopers for that, too. <laughs> so that is fantastic. Well, I'm wondering if you can introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, I teach high school math. And I'm Mariah, and I teach elementary, second grade. Oh. Yeah, we met at uh, UND, actually. Really? Yep, yeah. we s- started dating in college, and we've been married a little over eight years. Oh, so. my gosh. I did yeah. not know that about you guys. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. Both teachers in math. I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but, like, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. That, like, props to you to be able to do that. I understand. It's the best subject there is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that, I tell you. But, you know, we need people to understand. I have a basic understanding, if that's helpful. Perfect. If if I ever have questions, I'll be sure to ask you. What do you think? Perfect. Sounds great. (laughs) That is awesome. So I was trying to think exactly how I found out about you guys. And I think that a friend had posted it on social media. Mm -hmm. And I remember clicking on there and just thinking, like, wow, this is so cool. Um, And I really just had this, and I had shared this with you guys, had this like feeling that I just really needed to ask you to be on the podcast. And I thought, well, I'll just reach out and um, see what your thoughts were. And you guys were receptive, luckily, to that. So I'm wondering, can you kind of share, you know, your adoption journey and um, a little bit about that process for you? Mm -hmm, Of course. Um, I don't know if you want us to go far back enough. We, We struggle with infertility like many couples do actually more than people realize it um one in eight couples they say have struggled with or do struggle with infertility um do you want to start a little bit so um been married for eight years and after a few years of uh, having married life we always knew we wanted to be a parent and we kind of felt that our our life was stable enough so we wanted to start a family and 
went through that and were trying for just over a year and having no success so then went in to get tested um, to see if there's anything going on that we don't know about or what we could do to change or improve our odds on it yeah. um, and I know we both kind of were getting initial test and had I was tested and I knew my my numbers were low so then I went had follow-up treatments uh, to see with the urologist to see if there's anything that could be done sure. and there was nothing that they recommended or said and basically in that first one they told me like my numbers need to be at a certain point and mine weren't anywhere close to it and they said no kind of follow-up for it so at that point we were fairly defeated thinking that there was just no chance and mm -hmm. it was kind of poor wording on their part as we kind of found out later that it wasn't necessarily that that there was no other options left but it wasn't it just, yeah it wasn't so black and white it was like yeah, we so. felt they made it feel that way yeah. um so we kind of were basically told there's no there's no options it's not possible and a little a few months later we moved from minnesota back to north dakota we're both from here so we just we made this big move both of us got teaching jobs um and later about november this was 2017 about, about November, we just kind of made the decision, okay, if, if we can't do it this way, then let's, we're going to adopt. And we, we had talked about it before in the past, like when we started talking about wanting to have kids, um, you know, what if we can't get pregnant? And we had just always said, oh, well, I guess we'll do it another way. We'll adopt. And it was just for us, even like that's, we thought, oh, it's easy. It's just, you know, we'll just do it this way. And I mean, we know now it's not that easy, but, yeah. but it just seemed to us like it didn't matter how it happens. We knew we wanted to be parents together and we knew we wanted to have kids. So it just kind of was like, well, this is, this is the way people do it. And, um, we started that process in November of 2017. And then in May of the following year, I went to the doctor for other reasons and just kind of my fertility, infertility issues came up with her and she had said oh well you were told it wasn't possible and yes so she said well have you tried this and this and we were like no and this being I'll, I'll say it's IUI was one option she said and um, IVF and said no we were kind of told it wasn't possible and she said no there's always stuff we can do so I, I mean this was a year later from when their initial doctor told us that it wasn't possible so now we're kind of given this like renewed sense of hope and you know, meanwhile, other people in our lives are continuing to get pregnant and all this. So we're kind of like, okay, maybe, yeah, let's give this a try. So we put the adoption on hold. They don't like you to really be doing adoption and still doing fertility. Um, oh, I didn't know that. It, and it's not that they won't say you can't, but it's kind of like they won't. They want you in the right mindset mm -hmm. that doing that as well as if you're in the adoption and you get placed, identified, and then you get pregnant, then you have to cancel the adoption. Mm -hmm. So they don't want oh. you to get set up with... Um, a birth family and then have to then cancel that so because it just causes some you know sure. pain for everyone around as well for that so and I don't know if that's the case every agency but for our agency they had said you know we put your adoption on hold if you were to get pregnant or if you were to um, have a miscarriage or you know they want you to just be in the right set of, you know mindset and um, so we kind of put the adoption on hold, but we did do, we still went through and did our workshop in June of 2018. Then we did a workshop that was a two day workshop, um, through our agency. And then, um, we tried, so we were, we decided to try IUI and I don't know if, I'm not overly okay. I don't know if I want to, I can talk a little bit. It's going to get a little technical, but it's, um, intrauterine insemination. Okay. So they take the sperm and they do a sperm wash and it's supposed to help just get the numbers higher. And then they insert it for you okay. through, they, they do the insemination process and it was fairly easy. I had to do, I mean, 
the process itself, I did have to do some drugs, fertility drugs on myself to prep my body and make sure I was, they knew I was ovulating at the right times. And it was very, like, very technical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then afterwards, there's all these different more drugs you do and there's a there's a shot one and there's so not nearly as um intensive as IVF but um lots of hormones and stuff you're still doing to try to increase your chances and we went through two full rounds of that unsuccessfully the third round we were told um it's not even worth coming in the numbers were so low this time and that was on like the third day of school or something I was gonna yeah I was gonna be going during my lunch break and got the call that just don't even bother coming in and so I was very emotional um and so after that we really had a discussion and sat down and we were like can we should we keep doing this or not because it was for me it was very hard on me with the drugs the hormones were just my emotions were a roller coaster I would be bawling (laughs) there was one time we went to the mall and we went to look at the puppies Mm -hmm. and I started bawling in the mall because I was so sad that they were in the cages and that's not something that would normally make me ball (laughs) so it was just my emotions were crazy off the charts and I just I told him I don't know if this is worth it anymore for me and I can't imagine going through even more like IVF even more intensive and um, being a teacher you have to be somewhat stable (laughs) to be working with children all day or or, I mean in a lot of jobs really but you can't take a moment like all of a sudden Mm -mm. okay kids 15 minutes I need some time to myself to calm down Mm -hmm. so there's that opportunity absolutely so we really battled for I mean a couple months honestly talking like do we want to give up again And, and not give up but stop our fertility um things that we were doing and it was a hard it was really a hard decision in the moment because it was like you know I wanted to experience being pregnant and we wanted to experience having a child that would look like us or share our traits just you know that's kind of a common thing that a lot of parents can't wait to see and um for me I really battled with it I went to therapy a couple times and my counselor was like well you could adopt and then you maybe try again later with your fertility process. And I was like, it kind of was an aha light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I could do that. It's not black and white. Because I think up until that moment, I was thinking in my head, well, if we decide to adopt, that's it forever. No more trying. And and that's not the case. Like, I don't know why it was so black and white in my head, but she really helped me. So going to the, going to counseling and therapy really helped me like open my eyes it's not just this or this. Right. It can be this and then maybe down the road that, you know. Yeah. So we, again, in November, <laughs> started up the the adoption process again yep. a year after we initially applied. And that's when we really then got the ball rolling. And we, we had to do counseling. We do couples counseling, separate counseling. We fill out these uh, personality inventories, a really long and extensive, um, the home study, home study. process. Yeah. Um, it's a nice long one. Yeah. <laughs> not aware. It's um, close to about 100 pages worth of things that we filled out and writing like essays about ourselves and oh, how mm-hmm. we grew up and like what would our parenting styles be. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very huge process as they're, which is good as they're trying to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. adoptive parents are going to be fit and provide mm-hmm. a great home. So. It's very invasive questioning too. Some of the questions are very invasive and I don't, I don't know that a lot of people realize how much we really have to we have to give like everything about us like oh, and it's they want financial records and health records and um they need all these details about every member of your family and it's it's very intensive um and then after you have all of your paperwork done all ever all of that stuff done i mean fingerprinting 
everything. It's a lot. Um, then they take that, and she took about, our, our social worker took about a month and a half to type it up into our home study document. Mm-hmm. And, and she they come and visit your home, um, and you have more interviewing there. And, um, and then we were approved in December or January. Um, so I we, can't remember we finished which... all of our uh, paperwork in December, mm-hmm. and then it was about um, middle of January when she had finished the yeah. writing it up, and then it was just of this a, year. Of, yep. Yep. Of this year, and then getting a photo book of us done was then the last process. So, okay. so we had we that... made it on Shutterfly. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we had that done like the end of January, beginning mm-hmm. of February. Um, and we order four books. They print them off. We order four of them, and they go to the four different agencies around the state. And I, th- I think it's like Minot, Bismarck, Grand Forks, and Fargo, I think are the four cities. Mm-hmm. They, so they have our photo book in their offices, and then any birth parents that go in looking, they look through the couples, and they hopefully will choose us or want to meet us at least. Right. And that's the process of how people, I mean, I think so many people don't even realize that's the process too. It's like we are, we are just waiting. We've been just waiting since February for someone to just look through our photo book and want to meet us. And that's that's probably the hardest part for us is just waiting and having, like, no control over when something could happen. And, and then another thing, too, I mean, someone could call us and say, oh, we have this couple and they are due, you know, in five months. Or we could have someone call and say, we have this birth mom in the hospital and she just had her baby and she didn't have a plan set up until now and she wants to meet you. And I mean, it could be that yes. sudden. Yeah. So we really have to have our brains prepared that, you know, we could become parents tomorrow or we could be waiting, you know, years still. And that, for me, that's like the hardest part of yeah. just the waiting and the unknowns. And <laughs> oh my goodness. yes, a lack of control. You really have to just let it go and learn to just kind of be <laughs> mm-hmm. how challenging though and like, yeah. so hard on emotions I'm sure. yes it is and, and like one big thing for us like talking about back and forth is like well how much do we prepare like do we mm-hmm. completely get the nursery ready now mm-hmm. yeah well doing it it kind of you know stings a little bit too because mm-hmm. it's like you're doing this not knowing when it's going to happen and it kind of brings up those emotions again yeah so but at the same time it's like well if it also happens you know next week you're like yeah you need to have a little bit of preparation um thankfully i mean i made a baby registry online which feels weird but also like we need to just be ready and it's almost just a place i can just go to amazon and be like okay we need all this stuff and quickly buy it if we need to and we have had a lot of we have a lot of family members and friends who have had babies and have said oh well we have this ready for you when you're you know when the time comes and so it's not that we're completely starting from a blank slate but it's like he said um how much do you want to have i we we right now have a bedroom ready and it has a changing table and a dresser, but like we, and we, I think we got a bassinet from his mm-hmm. parents that's been passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the full crib we don't have yet. And right. Haven't done that. I think we want to wait a little for that. Yeah. And that's different for every couple too. Some people have like fully done the nursery and it's ready. And if that's what they want to do and like, that's fine with us. I mean, yeah. for us, I think we just weren't ready to be there yet. Yes. Just, yeah. It, it could feel like a false hope almost. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what a switch though that you could mm-hmm. just go one day just to mm-hmm. it, like that's not much like processing time. No, even if you're you know really excited about that, that still doesn't give you much time. Yeah, and one other thing I did want to talk about a little bit with our infertility journey is that um, we talked about this at our workshop we went to, uh, so a, a little over a year and a half ago, and is the grief. It's, it's grief as if something or someone has died and that, and it is, it is that intense for me, especially I can't speak for him, but I'm 
you know, yeah, yeah. And it's and what what I really learned through that process, and just even the conversation we had as a group, we split up the women and the men and talked um, separately, and we talked about how you know there's the five stages of grief, and I think up until this experience for me, I never realized how very nonlinear grief is. Yes. I've never been through anything that yeah. has made me feel so much intense sadness and then anger, and you know, going through all of the different steps, and then some days I'm just so okay with our process and so okay with and ready for the adoption like we're and and knowing too it's okay that we are still we can still grieve our our um you know infertility part of the journey while being excited to adopt and while being excited to have children of in whatever form they may come to us so that's been for us a really big um eye-opening experience yeah and I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that that um, a lot of times you know that that difficulty be between like dealing with that grief and being okay with being sad and also being okay with being excited. That's a Mm -hmm. lot to hold at one time. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that um, several people who have gone through the adoption process have probably had some similar feelings like that of Mm -hmm. just being really sad of the life that, um, you know, maybe we envisioned. I think a lot of times is is a part of it, but Mm -hmm. also being excited for the possibility of what is to come. Yes. Yes. We're so excited and we know that whoever we end up with, um, whoever ends up with us, we will love them and it'll be great. Um, and that also doesn't mean that we won't be sad about our infertility in the future too. And, um, that's one thing we're trying to keep in mind. It doesn't just go away. And we were just listening in the car actually to Karen, your podcast with Karen about infertility. And I really like that she brought up, um, that it's okay to feel jealous when other people announce their pregnancies and it's still okay. It doesn't mean we're not happy for our friends and family who are pregnant. It's, but we feel sad for us. And that's, that's a reality that we go through and it it can be really hard to share those emotions. You feel guilty then for feeling jealous. And so I think I wanted to talk about it because like she says too, it's such a stigma right now. And I think it's, getting better and better but it still is a stigma for people to talk about their infertility and what they're going through and it so it does feel really lonely sometimes and um it can feel like you don't have anybody to talk to about it and so I I like that more and more people are sharing their story and are sharing what they've been through so that we don't feel so isolated yes absolutely Mm -hmm. you know the other thing about it too is that it's such a it's such a vulnerable you know topic and part of our lives and so I think a lot of times that's that's the hardest part I mean regardless of what the topic is but anything that is that close to our heart we're then inviting other people in Mm -hmm. and and that can be really really helpful like you said for other people to hear that and at the same times it can also kind of feel like we're like scratching our own wound again Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of this like balancing act of being able to share our truth and being able to know what it felt like in that moment and want to help other people through that and also just being aware of like where we are and that this is your this is your life mm-hmm. like this isn't just you know a random yes. topic that you're talking about yes so. yep definitely you know, can we talk a little bit about that process I, I had a friend who adopted <laughs> um and I won't share her story because it's not mine to tell mm-hmm. but um she had shared with me just so many parts of it and every time she said oh we have another class to go to I sounded so many or so uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah oh, you're oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can relate we know <laughs> funny um so yeah but every time she would be like you know we have another seminar we need to go to they wanted more information we had to um share like information about our extended family and Mm -hmm. just it 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 seems so mind-blowing I mean it was such a process and hearing you guys talk about I mean it seems like that's uh, probably fairly consistent to have all of those Mm -hmm. 
those steps and yeah. how overwhelmed just hearing it and I didn't go through that but just hearing everything you had to do I'm like that had to have taken so much mental and emotional energy to do that yeah it's it, it's a lot and in the moment too I we would even say sometimes like oh this feels kind of degrading like yes. having it because they I mean they ask questions about your sex life and like things yes. like that that you're like I do not talk about this with my friends or my family members like why is this random stranger asking me about this and what does this have to do with our ability to parent and right. so like things like that were just we were like do other parents have to answer these questions when they want to become right. parents like no so right. I know, like, really tough, like, you go through all that, and then they have, like, follow-up questions, and you're already so vulnerable, and you're like, I already presented all this, and you get these follow-up questions that you go and say the same thing, like, what does that have to do with our ability to Mm -hmm. parent, and so, which is just, they just want to know more about you, but you're so, like, torn and already just so emotional that you're just, like, it's insulting to be asked that and be like... So does my answer, if I answer this wrong, am I not fit to be a parent? (laughs) And it's like... And you're just like, it just feels, like I said, degrading. And just, mm-hmm. like, how could they possibly think that is necessary? Yeah. And also, but also I do want to say we, we fully think the process is necessary and it's I think it's great that people are being so vetted because I don't think just anybody should be able to to adopt and and, you know you almost wish there was more of a process for becoming a parent in general (laughs) with some of the things you can see in in the daily world but um it's just it's just so hard yeah such emotional place in your life to try to go through all those questions yeah and it's and in in, this is going to sound so like you know childish but it, it feels so much like oh this isn't fair and yeah and that's how honestly that's how we feel about the whole everything every yes. like with infertility and everything it's like why us and why this and and it feels that way with the adoption process it's like why do we have to go through so much to be parents and we're yeah. trying so hard and we're putting so much of ourselves into it and it's still taking time and it's still hard and it's so it just feels it just feels like why this isn't fair and but but at the same time we know it's necessary and we know that it's for a good reason and um, we just have to have hope and faith that it'll all be worth it and in the end and yes. and we do we have lots of hope in that and faith in that so yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> you know I don't think that sounds childish though um, I really just think that's like reality right mm-hmm. like it's not it's not fair no let's just call it like it is it's not fair it's not and there are a lot of things in life that aren't fair but it, and that's like when I'm having my pity party days I just I, I that's like what I keep going through is oh it's just not fair and I can't get over that feeling and I can't get over the feeling of how I it feels it's not true but it feels like no one else understands and it yes. feels like no one else goes through this and I know that's not true but that's just probably like many things in life yeah. when you're going through something you feel like why me and why why do we have to go through this? And yes. it's hard. It's a hard feelings to go through. And then you feel guilty about having those feelings. And then yes. you feel bad about feeling guilty. And it's just, it's this whole cycle of emotions. Yes. And then some days we just feel fine and great and we're um, excited. So, yeah. but impatient. and But also having to learn how to be patient. Yes. <laughs> more yes. and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That makes so much sense. I actually listen. I don't know if you guys know who like Rachel Hollis is. If you've heard I of do. Her. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I listened to um, her podcast the other day and it was an episode about their adoption process. Oh. And it was really um, very fascinating, but obviously very emotional as well. And just to, to hear um, the journey that they went through, I think that that's also helpful when people like in positions like that that are able to like get that mm-hmm. message a little bit wider yeah someone with a bigger audience yeah, of course yeah. yeah but it's just uh 
It is tough. And I think when, you know, with anything in life, um, when you are feeling really lonely, it's hard to reach out to Mm -hmm. because you don't often know the reaction other people will have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be more hurtful than helpful. Yeah. So it can be tough. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm wondering, can you share a little bit about, you know, what do you wish people knew about your decision to adopt or just adoption as a whole and that they currently don't? I think like the big thing we kind of mentioned a little bit already is that it's not a simple process. Mm-hmm. It's not quick. It's not easy. It doesn't fix all the emotions that you're already having. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, there's still even when we get through the process and are super excited um, and have a child, we're still going to have some pain mm-hmm. through the whole process. Yep. That it's it's you know one of the greatest you know programs out there, but it's still there's still pain. Around it. Yeah, and we, I don't think we personally experienced this, but when you're going through infertility, many many people have shared, like on forums that I've read and stuff, um, that sometimes people's response to them is, "Oh, you can just adopt. You can just adopt. Like it's the easy, the easy way." And and there, and yeah. then people will say things, "Oh, well, at least you don't have to go through morning sickness or these pains or this, you know, whatever with pregnancy." And it's like, you know, but they don't know how badly maybe I might be longing for that and yearning for that. And I would say, "Oh, I I wouldn't care. Like that's how I feel right now." Yes. You know, yes, it's difficult. I'm not trying to say it's not. Right. I, I can't relate to being pregnant, but I'm not trying to diminish how, how difficult it is. But I think that people have the tendency to just think that adoption is the easy way. And it's definitely not an easy way either. It's we're, we're going through a lot emotionally. And the steps, like we've said, are very rigorous and very <laughs> intensive and um, personal, really personal, too. And having to share so, so much with strangers, essentially. And it's so... Yes, absolutely. It's not as easy as one might think, and it's but it's also a wonderful thing, and we we think that anyone considering it should really you know look into it and ask ask questions. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I think a lot of times if people aren't familiar with infertility or the adoption process, it does just seem like oh well that would just be such an easy answer, but mm-hmm. it's just really not, mm-hmm. and that lack of lack of understanding. Um, and it sounds like really hurtful things that people say. They may not even be aware that they're hurtful, but just mm-hmm. uh, right. are, are not helpful in that moment. Right. Let's just be real. It's not <laughs> helpful in the, that moment. Um, I'm wondering, like, what would you, what would be some ways that people could actually support a friend or family member who was going through this that obviously each person's an individual, right? <laughs> so like what might be supportive for you might mm-hmm. not work for somebody else. But right. I'm just wondering if you have thoughts like overall um, as far as what might be a way that people can be supportive and helpful? Um, one way that we have found is I, I've discovered this book and it's called In On It. I can't remember the long name, but the short name of the book is In On It. And it's about, um, it's really made for family members and friends of people oh. adopting. Yeah, it's, and it, I read it first to see if it was something I would want to ask my friends and family members to read. And Ryan read it as well. And um, we agreed that it was, it was really informative. It answers a lot of questions people may have about the process, um, especially about like even open adoptions and what those look like these days, because those are so much more common now than they used to be, um, you know, a couple decades ago. Um, And so that was really helpful. I I have asked for our friends and family if they were interested in reading and our family is kind of passing it around right now. And I think that is one of the biggest ways is just to show that you're interested and you're willing to be more informed on, you know adoption in general and i think that was one really great way yeah it's it's fantastic everybody has busy lives so mm-hmm. showing their support and taking the time to read a book to better understand our lives is fantastic mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, another way to just be there for someone is just to ask how they're doing and ask how the process is going. I feel like we don't get asked it a lot. And I'm not offended by that, but I just, uh, the people who do ask, I really feel grateful to them. And I feel like they, that they care and they're invested in our journey. So um, those people that do ask about it and give us the support really stands out to me. And especially too, um, we have like our one person that comes to mind my sister-in-law Mary she always has language she'll say like when your baby comes or when your parents and she's very like she has so much faith in it and believes that we're gonna be parents and she talks like as if we will be and so that is it kind of sounds kind of cheesy but it makes us feel like someone believes in our journey and and I don't know just that language that people can use can really be comforting so that makes that makes so much Mm -hmm. sense you know I think that that can be um something that in life is just so important to have people around you that one really ask about and really Mm want to know Mm -hmm. not just like how are you doing but no like really how are you genuinely (laughs) caring yes and um and that also are so supportive and believe so much in the journey that you're going through Mm -hmm. that is fantastic and I think some people not that they're trying to you know, trying to not include us in the parenting conversation. But I think a lot of people almost avoid asking or talking about it, thinking that we're going to be hurt by it. And it's so it's like they feel like they're maybe walking on eggshells around us and don't want to talk about parenting. And that's not really the case for us, I guess. It's it's more like I, I, I appreciate when people do say like, oh, when you have your children or when your parents. And that almost for me feels better because it's like I said, they believe in our like that we're going to be parents. So rather than just try don't avoid it altogether I guess would be a good way to help help people kind of feel like you're um, invested in their experience yeah hey guys I'm just gonna interrupt for one quick second I wanted to make sure that you knew that we had an opportunity for you to partner with the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast community now I want to be really clear you are already a part of this community But if you want to take things one step further, I would encourage you to go to Patreon. I don't know if you've heard of Patreon, but it truly is just a way for you to be able to collaborate with creatives and help to spread the word. And that is the goal of the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I really want to spread encouragement throughout the entire world. And the only way to do that is with your help. So if you would like to check it out, you can go to www.patreon.com reon.com backslash encouragers podcast now back to the show you know it really reminds me of um you know the really the, the grief process right and when we mm-hmm. lose someone or we've lost something the one thing we want people to do is to talk about that person yes. and to remember it yes and when you're avoiding a really hard loss or uh, you know a potentially difficult subject it really hurts people way more than it helps mm-hmm. and I don't think that people always realize that yeah yep yeah so that's so helpful so so asking and um, being supportive and using that really positive language mm-hmm. is something that yeah. that is fantastic well thank you for sharing that of I appreciate course. that so let's say there's like someone who's listening who's thinking about adopting what would you say is I mean, you can obviously have more than one, but some wisdom that you might want to, to leave with them that you've learned through your process. Um, I think it's like a big thing as we learned is that it's, you know, it is a long process. So you got to be sure that you have the patience um, and kind of that you've talked through it before jumping into it mm-hmm. because you don't want to have to go through that long process. If you're not positive, that's what you want to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause as we talked about here, there's, 
going to be a lot of pain and uncertainty and just loss of control. So mm -hmm. um, don't just jump into it without being really prepared for it. Yeah. And I think some of the workshops you do at the beginning to kind of prepare you for that a little more, just having an idea of what it might look like. But that's, yeah, that's a great, that's what I would say is just being prepared and knowing that it's, it could be a long process and it might not be, um, but you just don't have control. So kind of learning to let go of that control and just knowing that you kind of have to trust the process. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That control piece, I, I mean, I can't speak for you guys, but uh, I, I like to have some type of control or uh -huh. have, be able to somehow navigate. Obviously, we don't ever have 100% control in what we're doing in life, but just even be able to kind of have things somewhat organized mm -hmm. um, typically helps me to feel better. And so that piece of it um, would just be would be so challenging, so daunting. Yes. And it, you know, when it just made me kind of think of going from the, the fertility um, the fertility treatments we were doing into adoption. It's like with fertility treatments, you're timing things down to the day, down to the hour and when you do medications and when different things are going on in your bodies. And it's just like, it's so precise. And then to go to adoption where you're just like waiting yes. and you know, it could feel like nothing's happening for so long. And I feel like every once in a while, I feel like emailing our social worker and just being like, so is there anything we could do? And right. it's like really what we're told over and over again is, oh, read some more books. And yeah. so, I mean, I we try to read um, anything from perspective of the birth parents, perspective of the adoptive parents, perspective of the adoptive children, just yes. trying to get you know, any information we can that'll help us to be prepared. And it, like, that's all we can do right now. Honestly, it's just so yeah waiting yes <laughs> waiting and reading <laughs> yes absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely you know I'm wondering if um we can go back we're going to skip back just a little bit sure. you know it sounds like when you guys were talking about um the fertility journey that there was um I, this is my interpretation so if I'm saying this wrong please mm -hmm. let me know but it, it sounded like it was somewhat defeating some of the news that you were getting which wasn't necessarily 100% accurate mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering if if somebody is going through something and they're told like you know there's there's nothing that can be done or whatever that may be and and they um, are feeling discouraged would would you recommend like maybe seeking out another doctor or uh, like absolutely yeah and it, it, yep. where we were at there's only really the one fertility mm -hmm. doctor in the town we were at so it didn't really cross our mind to go get like a second opinion. It was just kind of like, sure. oh, hey, they went through it. It's what it is. I mean, like I said, we, it'd be nice to go back and think like, you know, hey, we could have drove to another town and got mm -hmm. another opinion about it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, kind of hindsight. It's yeah. hard to think that in the right. moment when you're so emotional about it as well to yeah. have that clarity to think, okay, maybe, right. maybe not. And, and it's a system, you know, of doctors that we trust them mm -hmm. so much that they're the professional yes. know what they're talking about. So it's hard to kind of like question that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were we were so close to the beginning of we I mean, this was the first time we had gone to, to seek any medical profession um, for advice on it because it had been about a year after we were trying. And that's when they tell you you have to wait about a year. Yep. And um, so it's the very first experience we had. And we were just kind of like, OK, I guess that's that. And didn't hadn't looked into a lot of things at that point as far as. um I don't know, just knowing what kind of options we had out there. We had heard of IVF, obviously, but I hadn't I hadn't heard of IUI before. Yep. And I didn't know what that was or that that was an option. And honestly, we, you know, maybe if that hadn't been so hard on me, maybe we would have tried it a little longer. But it just kind of got to the point where we were like, is it worth it? Or yes. should we just continue pursuing this thing that we were already excited about and already um, looking forward to and in, in the process of, like, with the adoption? So, right. I know, like, um, for me, like, getting that first news, you kind of just feel like a failure if 
for having that. Mm-hmm. So to like go back and like you know go to another doctor to tell you that you're a failure again, uh, right? It, it's kind of tough to be like, well, okay, well, there's something wrong with me, and then like to like reaffirm that again. Um, it's a hard place to go. Yeah. Going back to your question too, should, would we recommend people try again and pursuing someone else? I, yes. Also, with his numbers, um, they were low at the initial time, but then a year was it a year later? About a year later. About a year later, when we went back to when I after I had met with my doctor, his numbers were much higher. So it, you know, I think sometimes it can be affected by maybe your diet or different or stress, and you know, yeah. Even though I think there's what I'm reading, there's not a lot of um, proof as far as what can affect the numbers in men in male infertility um but his numbers had changed so much that we were we were very hopeful that it could be possible and um so you know give it another shot if you if you if you want to and if you can afford it too because it's expensive and um it's an emotional journey too so you have to be prepared for that like every month that weight of did it work this time and um so it can be it can be really stressful and hard but it if you know if you're willing to go through it, go through it. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense though. What you said about like not, well, first of all, in that moment, just Mm -hmm. be really dealing with, with the news that you got and, and not that not even crossing your mind totally makes so much sense to me. Um, but even just that, like you said, that going back to someone else just to hear that same thing, like over and over again would be really, really hard. And I would imagine even potentially more defeating. So definitely something for people to be aware of that's for sure well thank you guys for sharing that I think that's um fantastic and just helpful for people to know you know there's no I think it's really important to say there is no one way to go through this no definitely not everybody's story is so very different um even like looking on forums and kind of researching and um hearing other people's stories I would hear of women who uh, they've been doing it for you know years longer than us or gone through way more treatment cycles than we did or IVF and way longer than we did. And I would sometimes feel like, did we not try enough? Did we not put enough into it? But then I had to remind myself, no, like when, when we were doing the treatments, it was horrible for me. And we, you have to decide what your body and what your mind are capable of. And for us, we, I mean, as a couple, we just decided it was not worth it to keep putting ourselves through that. And when we were so okay with adoption and so like excited for adoption, not just okay with it. That sounded, that sounded like nonchalant, but no, we are very excited about it. So, um, you kind of have to really take it personal. Don't, don't even, you know, you can ask other people's opinions and what they've been through, but it has to be what's going to work for you and your cup, your, yourselves as a couple, um, because it's so different for everybody. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think that mental health portion of things, um, even, you know, on my, um, I, I don't know that I would say it's a limited experience at this point, but with my own fertility journey and infertility difficulties, I think the thing about it is, is that mental health piece is so huge. Mm-hmm. And at some point I even talked to my own husband about like, I don't know that it's even not, I want to be really clear, not that a baby's not worth it, but yes. for my own mental health, yes. is this something that in this moment I feel like I am able to do? And if not, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to go through that, but mm-hmm. that that's okay. And that's just, just where we're at and what yeah. needs to happen in that moment. And that's why I think it's so important for people to know, like, you know, like we were talking about that you have to decide what is best for you. Mm-hmm. And regardless if somebody else has been through 
um, so many different rounds in different ways. And if that doesn't work for you, then that's okay. And if it does, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And thanks for clarifying of what, what, that. You, I didn't mean either that it wasn't worth a baby. Of course, a baby is oh, worth yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks when for clarifying. No, when I said that though, I was like, oh no, that's not what I... <laughs> so I was clarifying for myself. I'm like, I don't want to get any notes. Like, Kelly, babies mm-hmm. are worth it. I get of course, it. I yes. know they are. But I do think at times that it's just not... It, it's just one of those things that you just have to decide in this moment what is best. Mm-hmm. And um, for me personally, it just, you know, in that moment may not mm-hmm. be what's best. Yep. So yeah, so after I said that, like I said, it wasn't about you, it was about me. I was like, oh, no. geez, that's not what I mean by any means. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's really important too to like acknowledge all sides of adoption. Yes. And so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about like how really selfless it is for somebody to make that adopt- adoptive plan and mm-hmm. to move forward with that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, you know, do you have any thoughts about what you would say to someone who's considering looking for an adoptive family? And that's a really tough thing because we always, you know, you want what's best for the child. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and always in the situation, if the birth parent can raise the child and feels fit for that, that's obviously the best route for the child. And that's what everyone wants. Yes. Um, so we know it's a super hard decision and really hard to mm-hmm. look through and decide, like, you know, do we want to start that adoption plan and try to seek someone who can provide a great you know, life for that child? Yeah, we absolutely acknowledge and recognize how hard of a decision this is for the birth mother or birth parents and also for every other family member too. That's a lot of things people don't realize or think about is how hard it might be on the grandparents of this baby and the other siblings that might exist in that family. It's not just a birth mother that's losing a child or, you know not not able to parent that child and grow up with that child and their family and there are so many people involved involved and we we would be um you know mistaken to not recognize that and realize that how hard of a sacrifice that so many people are making and and not getting to grow up with that child and their family so we definitely recognize and it's something we can't take lightly either and it's something we always have to have on our mind is yes it's something we want and we're so excited for but on the other end of it is a family that's going to be sad and a family that's going to be going through a lot of difficult emotions and so we have to always try to remind ourselves of that as well yes Absolutely. Like holding both sides of that at Mm -hmm. the same time. Yep. You know, I had a dear friend whose um, daughter actually had a heart transplant and um, which is obviously, I mean, significant health difficulties and challenges. Um, What was so cool to see was that ability to hold both sides of that. Like, I am so happy that my daughter was able to get this heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm also so sad because I know what that means for another family. Yeah. And so to be able to like hold both of those um, is it's a great example yeah. of, you know, similar feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And somewhat, I didn't think about it like this when I was sharing it, but actually somewhat symbolic because that's literally what it is. You know, I think it's just really important to acknowledge, you know, really how selfless it is for someone who um, does choose to make an adoptive plan. I'm just wondering what you would say to somebody, you know, what would you say to, to, the, to a family or to a person who is considering adoption? We would for sure want that birth family to know that we know that they have not made this decision lightly and that we know how, not that we can understand, but we have to acknowledge and realize how big of a sacrifice that they are making. And um, we appreciate that. We also wanted to just say that um, a lot of times birth 
parents and birth mothers can be seen as kind of a negative um, thing for the fact that they choose not to parent their child and that it might have happened for a negative reason or that they didn't love their child. And that is just like almost never the case. Um, It's usually they just don't feel capable or able in that moment to raise the child to the best of their abilities. And so they are seeking out someone, you know, who they hope can do a can do the job for them and so um we need to we need to as as you know adoptive parents and just society we need to hold birth mothers at a higher regard and hold them I like to say hold them on a pedestal because they are making such a huge sacrifice and they are giving us the greatest gift of becoming parents and so just really talking about birth parents and birth mothers in a positive way and not framing it in a negative way you know, they're making such a hard choice and, and they're honestly making a great choice for that child. A lot of times they're doing what's best for that, for that baby. And so we just really have to make sure we're acknowledging that and we do acknowledge that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is, I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I think it's really important too. you know, I've worked um, with clients before who, um, you know, are birth mothers and Mm -hmm. throughout their entire life, it's not like this this just goes away throughout their Mm -hmm. entire life. They're wondering, you know, where their child is and, and what life they had. And it's just, um, it's, it's much more of a serious process than I think that, that people think, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of times if someone's not familiar with that, they might think, Oh, well this baby was adopted and that's just the end of it, but it's not, it's a grieving process for that birth mom's entire life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's grieving for every part. Um, the child as well might grieve what, what their life might have looked like or what their birth family might be like. And, and, and we grieve our loss of ability to have children biologically. And so there's grieving on all parts of it. And so just acknowledging that kind of we know that they're going through it too and that they made a hard choice yeah. is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. So if you could pick one thing that you wanted to make sure that a biological family would know about you guys, what would it be? I think um, what I'd want them to know is that we'd love that child to death. Um, <laughs> we have such a great support system. Our families mm-hmm. are so supportive of us and big yep. families that are just ready to love on that child as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we are two very loving and silly people, so we're just going to be filled with love and fun mm-hmm. in our house. So. Lots of singing. Lots oh, of made-up well, songs. Different people. I love <laughs> so, that. Good singing and bad singing. Yes, I, so, I can sing so. and he can't, but he also makes up songs all the so time. So if a child can't sing, they have someone to lean on to that <laughs> we'll be able to <laughs> sing poorly with. So... Um, yeah, so we're, I mean, yeah, that's what we would want them to know is their their child will be coming into a family just full of love and yes. a family, and not just us, but extended family who is just so ready to open their arms to to our child, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously, being a podcast, people can't see you guys right now, <laughs> but I can, which I'm, again, so excited that you guys are here, but I can see you, and I can tell in your faces, and just like the way you interact with each other, one, that you absolutely both love each other so much, but also <laughs> that this is something that you are so passionate about, and mm-hmm. I can just tell that desire, and it just, um, yeah, it's just really fantastic to be able to see that, and to know that your true desire is to be able to offer a loving home and a loving family for somebody. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Nice of you to say. Yeah, no, totally true. So, you know, I'm wondering <laughs> as we're wrapping up here, can we talk a little bit? Are you familiar with Brene Brown? Have you ever heard of her? I <laughs> am. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fantastic. So, you know, Brene talks about um, in her book, Braving the Wilderness. It's my absolute favorite. If you haven't read it, hundred um, percent would recommend it. So she talks about this concept of really like walking into the wilderness alone and not really knowing, you know, where you're going 
going or, or what's going on um, and really finding yourself along the way and then also finding other people who are in their own wilderness along the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering when you guys think about, it could be your life together, your life individually, um, however you'd like to answer that, you know, can, can you share about a time when you feel like you've stepped into the wilderness? Well, I know like we haven't read that book. I've no, read we... her Daring Greatly. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. she had an education class that was about that yeah. book and how mm-hmm. to... Um, have vulnerability in the classroom so definitely great great author awesome message Mm -hmm. um so my interpretation of like kind of that is like as we're kind of talking about is this our infertility and adoption journey um i know like taught working in my school and talking with my staff and my departments that when we're having our infertility problem so kind of daring out there going out there and saying like hey this is going on and then finding out that like over half my department went through infertility as well Mm -hmm. Um, so then kind of hearing their stories about it too is kind of a way to talk a little bit with them and have some support with them Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's also tough too because they had the stories but they had success through their infertility treatments Mm -hmm. so at the same time I have some support with them and gone and had some people help but still kind of out in that wilderness by myself because they didn't have quite the same level of -hmm. problems that we went through so so yes have that support but still feel at times alone yes because you're still Mm -hmm. searching for what's going to work and others Mm -hmm. who have gone through the you know very similar things but not quite the same so and as we've gone through this process the more and more we share our story the more we hear from other people who have experienced infertility or even adoption stories like oh i was adopted or oh my cousin was adopted you know we hear more and more stories of people we didn't ever realize had some connection to adoption as well so the more we put ourselves out there the more we hear from others which has been really cool yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely that makes so much sense and you know i think um one thing too as you guys are going through that uh, you know having each other has mm-hmm. that been a major part of it oh for you definitely <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for sure um there's no one who i could lean on more and you know just being there to cry with and to you know there's a lot of crying on my part that's but that also comes with the hormones and everything it's just it's crazy because even though, um, you know, my body isn't getting pregnant every month, I'm still going through all the other stuff that women go through, like, yeah. every month and the reminders. And so it can be tough. And just having someone to lean on is, is like, just means the world. And, yeah. he, you know, he might not he might not cry with me or <laughs> he's not much of a crier but sure. but he's there and he'll and he'll listen to me and hear my thoughts and then and then sometimes I'm like do you have anything you want to share <laughs> you know men are just not as they're not as um like ingrained to share openly so you know but he he'll share every once in a while and he knows he knows I'm here if he does want to talk so yes. that is fantastic <laughs> So I'm wondering too, I always like to ask people because it's the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast about, you know, your biggest encouragers in life. And so if you, it could be, you know, surrounding this topic or just kind of like life in general, who would you guys say are some of your biggest encouragers? Well, I'll go first because mine is surrounding the topic. My my biggest encourager in this whole journey has been my sister-in-law, Mary. It's his brother's wife. And she she's a mom of three, but she also has a background in counseling. And so she's, I don't know if, that, if that's why or if just her nature, but she's always asking me how I'm doing. Every time we visit, she is checking in. She'll t- text me and call me. And she's the one who really uses the language more than anyone else. Um, and she, 
you know, telling me she has bags of baby clothes ready and all this. So just so much support from her. And I know I can always talk to her and she, I genuinely feel like she cares and she wants to know. And so she's for me, one of the biggest encouragers in my life, um, in life in general too, not just in this, not just in fertility and adoption, but just in life. She's just one of the, you know, my people that I'm very thankful for to have in my life. So she sounds fantastic. She is. She's very special. And like you said, it's not just surface level. She digs deep. She's wanting to talk about the hard stuff and be there and be supportive. Mm -hmm. So, and she's a great mom too. And I mean, we have a lot of people in our lives, great mom examples around us. And so just to have people who we know will be able to get advice from and, and, and her husband too. So (laughs) great great parents. (laughs) We have lots of great parents though. I don't want to, don't want to say that that's the only one. We have lots of great people in our lives who we will have to be able to go to, but she sticks out for me as far as just being there for me. So that's great. I know for me kind of in general, um, my parents have always been such a strong support system for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like I talked about, like, and with the infertility side and adoption side, my staff has been kind of a, a great support system as well. Um, not that I can really pick one person I talk to, like, the most about it, but being able to talk to different people a little bit here and there, they kind of get things off my chest. Or if I need to vent about something, they've, mm-hmm. they've heard from me. So yeah. it's, it's been nice and helpful. Like I said, mm-hmm. just finding out how many more people have gone through something somewhat similar is, mm-hmm. is very helpful yes absolutely. that's great well good thank you guys for sharing that i appreciate that of course so let's talk a little bit about if somebody is listening to your story and they're like you know i'd really love to follow along this journey with you where would they find you on social media well we have a facebook page and that is just ryan and mariah adopt and then we have an Instagram account, which is Ryan and Mariah underscore adopt. Okay. <laughs> and then through our Facebook page, probably on our Instagram too, I think, there's a link and it will take you to our photo book. So if you know somebody who is looking for um, adoptive parents and you think we might be a good fit, you could send them our link. Um, even just to look through our photo book, it shows kind of just who we are. It gives us a glimpse. I mean, you can only see so much in pictures and words, but... Um, yeah, and we'd be we'd be willing to meet with anybody, and so that's thanks. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys okay if I link that? On of the course. Website? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And am I right that you guys have two cats? We do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a picture where like is one of your cats pretty chunky? He, yeah, he's a chunk. <laughs> he that's digits. Oh <laughs> he, we have two cats. They are both so sweet and cuddly, and yes. so I know. Um, and we love dogs too, but we just we can't we can't bring a dog with our one cat. He gets jealous. So. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> We're worried he would he would have some major jealousy issues if we brought in another cat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that so much. Though that picture that was so cute. Cool. So mm-hmm. and even things like that, people being able to to see. Um, you know, those parts of your life and about you guys is, is just so important. And, and I know people are going to be able to hear that th- too through mm-hmm. this time with you guys. Yep. And that's just real quick. That's been a challenge for us, honestly, because um, when we first started, it was, we were told make a photo book and then put that out and then people will call and want to meet you. And that hasn't been really as um, common this year, I guess, with adoption, especially through the agency we're with. They t- told us in August that more more and more couples are um, being found through identified adoption, which is where someone see a, sees your Facebook page or your cousin's boss's friend or whoever. Yeah. Like, And so it's kind of, it was like discouraging and we were told, you know, you really need to be on your social media and it just feels kind of weird trying to promote ourselves as a, as adoptive parents. It's just, sure, it's, sure. there's not a handbook out there for right. it. So like, what do we share? How often do we share? And 
And, you know, for some reason, there was the post that you messaged us after we posted that. I I don't know what was different or special about it, but all of a sudden that post hit, like, almost 22,000 people. And and we only, yeah, and we only had, we had, like, a little over 100 people that had liked our page so far. And now we're maybe over about 300 people who have liked our page. But when we saw that that many people had seen that post, I said, I don't know what was so different about this one that it went, like, quote-unquote viral for North Dakota viral (laughs) but like you know and then someone from Jamestown contacted us you to do this podcast and we were just like what I don't know what was different about this one and normal posts have been like four or five hundred people see it no oh not even no it's been it's been like a hundred it's been like a hundred a hundred and fifty two hundred people at the most have been seeing our posts and all of a sudden this one it has over a hundred shares and so I don't know we're we're hopeful that some somewhere along the line someone got our word out and it or is getting our word out and someone will find you know what I think um, really connects people a lot is vulnerability. <coughs> mm-hmm. So there's yep. something about that that yep. just really must have hit people. And I guess. Obviously, uh, it affected me because I reached out to you. you <laughs> yeah, know? we were so appreciative. So, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I actually do know about a story recently. Um, a friend of mine had shared that, that they had, like, connected somebody. Mm-hmm. And so it is really interesting because I didn't know that was actually a way that that happens. But yes. not, especially in North Dakota, though, I could see somebody, because mm-hmm. you know, it is, I mean, it's a there's not a lot of people here let's just be real so i mean it's a fairly i guess good sized state but the population is so small right. so everybody is basically connected and right so, there's some connection yeah absolutely well if you guys want to keep us updated too i'd yeah, love to be able absolutely. to share anything that you guys have with thank you so now. much yeah you are so welcome thank you guys both for making the drive in the rain and being on the <laughs> show and i'm um, just really sharing your story with us i appreciate thank it you for having us we really appreciate it thank you Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.